0: Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be with our friend Dick Foth on another session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we're going to jump into our interview with Jason Berenger. Dick, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks Amelia. Love being with you.
0: Dick, The first, these two questions I have for you today have a little bit of a lead in. So I'm going to read that and then we'll jump into the question. It says, some people are in fantastic leaders and team members. Yet one of their weaknesses is that they are slower processors and they need more time to think through situations and ideas. But when they do, they often have wonderful things to contribute. So this two part question from a listener, um, number one, any advice for improving processing ability if you are one of these people that sl- process slower? It's an,
1: it's an interesting challenge. If, if you're a fast processor, you sometimes look at slow processors and say, Well, that's a that's a weakness, you know. And if you're a slow processor and you're in a group where people just say the first thing that comes into their mind, <laughs> just like I am. And I was me in a group. I was in a conversation once and Ruth leaned over to a dear friend at the table. There were six of us there and said, whispered in a stage, whisper, whisper, what must it be like to have to speak? Every thought that comes into your head. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think slow process, look, look at quote, fast process and say, boy, that's a, so the, the fact is both of those things are strengths. Okay. Mm-hmm. From my perspective yeah. and, and here, so to say, how can we change a slow processor? You can't. Okay. You know, God designed slow processors. What we call slow processors. You you could use another phrase, more thoughtful okay. processors, there or <laughs> deeper, deeper thinking processors. I, I mean, it's 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 a little bit like the story of the tortoise and the hare. Can yeah. Can you imagine the hare turning the tortoise? Say, yeah. could could you pick it up a little? <laughs> you know, but they can't pick it up a little. It, I, I want to make this clear. This has nothing to do with intelligence. Hmm. It has to do with how one processes information. One and sometimes it's connected to what we call a learning disability. Hmm. Most of the time not, but sometimes it is. So I can name some names. Let me let me just put some names out here. Richard Branson, you know, hmm. in Airlines. Jay Leno, the comedian, Tim Tebow, the hmm. football player here in the States, Octavius Spencer. Hmm. who uh, is an actress of some renown. And this fellow named Albert Einstein, they all had one thing in common. They were all dyslexic. Oh, wow. And they they could not process things quickly in class. Hmm. And Einstein would say he didn't think in words. He Hmm. thought in images or or math equations. And the words came later. Hmm. So if we are making an assessment of somebody, we need to be uh, clear on that. And oftentimes, over the years, I've had a chance to work with some architects and some scientists, and I'm trying to get something done, you know. Okay, let's get this done. And and oftentimes, their response to me will be, Dick, the thing you brought up here needs more study. When mm-hmm. I hear that, I hear, well, this is going to be slow. <laughs> <laughs> slow, ain't, slow ain't bad, friends. You know, when when I read the scripture and it says, in the fullness of the time, yeah. God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Hmm. You know, you say, well, that's Why don't we just get after it and have it be Avatar or beam me down Scotty or something? Right. No, no. So, OK, that's that's preachment there. I'm no, sorry. it's good.
0: No, it's good. Okay. It's good. So any advice on how to serve people? That uh, maybe you're slower in processing or more, you say, more thoughtful processors. I think that's how you said to ensure you're getting the best possible input um, from these team members and playing on their strength and holding them up so they feel very valued.
1: I asked my wife Ruth about this question because she, by definition here, would be a slow processor. She she says when when we're in brainstorming sessions or in some sessions or even in small groups, the conversation will go so rapidly that by the time I get a response, we're on to the in my head, we're on to the next thing. So I would say if, if there's a brainstorming session where you're where you're looking at ideas uh, and, and, and you say things like just toss toss your idea on the table, there are no bad ideas, all of that. It, it's probably not the best arena For someone who takes their time, because they're they aren't just looking at something and making a judgment. They're walking around it. Hmm. They're looking at it that way. And the discussion moves too fast. So if you know what the subject is going to be for the brainstorming session, tell them several days ahead of time and let them bring their best ideas to the table. That's good. That's good. And then I would submit there is both strategic planning and there's operational tactical in the moment response. I would say get them invested on the strategic planning side and Hmm. not in the in the moment. What do we do now, Fred?
0: Hmm. That's good. Very, very insightful. So that's all I have. No, it's (laughs) excellent. And thank you to Ruth for for giving you that insight. And uh, great to to ask her Um, coming from some, as you said, you. You share what's what's on your mind, and she says, "Yeah." So, how did you respond when she she said to you that, uh, "What's it feel like to share every thought that comes through your mind?" How did you respond to her?
1: Oh, you know, she loves doing that. By the way, <laughs> we 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 were in the car the other day driving. On somebody calls, it's on speaker, and they say something very complimentary to me. Thank you for yeah. whatever it is, and we and we get off the phone. And she says something that sort of pricks the balloon. She goes, you know, like that. And just, and I say, Ruth, why do you, why do you do that? So she said, Dick, you get hundreds, thousands of kudos for people. You need somebody in your life. You need somebody in your life to be an unkudo person. So she, she's my unkudo person that brings me back to reality. Oh,
0: man. You know.
1: That's so I, it's a it's a fun thing for us, and the kids just love it. You, you know, our children. Van, who's a a pastor now, he he came and visited us when we were in D.C. and I did a I was doing a retreat, a men's retreat for an Episcopal uh, church in Washington area. Yeah. And you know, you had a two star Air Force general playing the guitar, and you had all this. And I'm a kid from Oakland, California, right. so I'm just in my. I come back and I'm telling Ruth about all these things. And and I'm so excited. And she's there and Van's there and she looks at me and says, well, Dick, you're just over the moon, aren't you? (laughs) And and Van just broke up. And he he has told that story for the last 30 years.
0: Oh, man. Dick, always a joy to hang out with you and uh, appreciate your wisdom and insight. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Jason Berenger on Life and Leadership. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So
1: here we go.
0: Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a friend that I've known for a long time, Jason Berenger. Jason, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, Aaron. It has been a long, long time, and it's it's good to reconnect with you again. Maybe I'll I'll tell a story or two. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Maybe I should pay you not to tell stories or one or two. So anyway, for the listeners who don't know, Jason and I go way back. Uh, We grew up in the same hometown, same church, played basketball together. Uh, Lots of fun times, lots of stories, and uh, yeah, great friendship um, down through the years. Jason, for those who don't
2: know you as well as I do, could you go just, would you go ahead and just share a a little bit about yourself sure like you said aaron I'm born and raised in a small town um you say the metropolis of fort ashby right or Wally ford and i That's say the right. metropolis of cumberland maryland which actually is a metropolis compared to where you grew up i'm sure you had to buy groceries in our town, right that is true that oh. is
0: true <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yes i grew up in the mountains of maryland um and yeah i was a son of a railroader just like you um you know, he my father, though, he turned um, into a small business entrepreneur uh, in his 40s. And um, I'm also the son of a Puerto Rican mother who and that was really interesting growing up in in rural um, Maryland. I had the honor of growing up in a, in a home, uh, you know, what I think would, would people would definitely have considered on the humble side of town Yeah, and where I was able to to experience the impact of my mother's uh hospitality on other people. She brought a very unique, uh, take into, into, uh, rural culture of, um, you know, bringing that Latino, uh, hospitality. If you've experienced it in, you know, uh, in the Caribbean, then, then you, you know what I'm talking about. Let's see. I would say that, uh, something, some things important to know about me. I, my wife and I just celebrated 23 years of marriage. My wife, Heather, and I have, were busy now navigating life in Mount Airy, Maryland. Um, we are raising besides being a, a business owner, we're raising six kids, two dogs and two chickens wow. used to be four, but <laughs> a hawk made sure that it was only two. Um, so right now, uh, You know, that's, we're, we're in the throes of life. I was just telling you that, um, I have a, I have a son who's 20, a daughter, 19, another daughter who's 18, son who's 16. And then we, um, tacked on two of the most wonderful children in the world, uh, uh, Joey and Wynn they are uh eight and seven and I can say that you know they're about them being the most wonderful children in the world uh, biologically they they are not our, our own um you know but God kind of put that on our hearts to, yeah. to foster care and it turned into something a little more beautiful
0: yeah
2: some other things worth noting uh you know I'm a follower of Jesus yeah. I spent 17 wonderful years in public education uh, and that's where I learned a lot of my uh, lessons for for leadership. Um, I've spent the the past seven years of my life as an owner operator of two different Chick fil A franchises, uh, and and that's where I've really gotten to plug in and and be passionate about building community, developing servant leaders, and and just using the business to care for others.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Jason, you you mentioned that you transitioned from public education um, to Chick-fil-A. Can you just share a little bit about that transition and maybe some of the lessons you've learned? Many in the listening audience will be made a transition from somewhere in the United States to wherever they're at. So I just think the transition part of your story is uh, very, very insightful.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I've heard your, your story of transition, Aaron. And I think that most people, uh, who, who are some of your listening, some of your listeners out there can definitely relate that transitions can be very, very hard. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've had, I've made transitions in, in the world, uh, in my, in my lifetime where it's been, been better than way better than I thought it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are, it's funny that, you know, there's this saying that I always say, say there, there's some, you know, nothing's ever as bad as you think it's going to be. And nothing is ever as good as you think it's going to be. <laughs> and, um, and I will tell you, if I could have dreamed how bad the transition was, <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been as bad as it actually was. And so, for me, it was, I, you know, I say that kind of a little bit in jest, but it was a very difficult transition for for both my family and me, yeah. you know i love I love my job, yeah and I was good at my job and I think that that's that was like that critical if I had to point to like why was it so tough? it's because things were so good, but I, I definitely felt for a long period of time you know a sense of calling yeah. to do something differently in the world of business and um and it had been on my heart for years and I had a a good friend who who used to encourage me and he'd say you know if, if just keep taking that dream to the lord and and if it um if it doesn't go away then it's from you know it, it's from him yeah and so um so it never went away and so when i when i transition the bi- i think the biggest part of me uh, the one of the hard things for me was um that that people loved people loved me if so <laughs> i believe they did you know in the school I was appreciated at work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was two, three months into the into my role as a Chick-fil-A operator, and I I went to a um I went to go visit another operator, and he was talking about a young guy who worked for him who wanted to become a Chick-fil-A operator. And he said, his problem is he needs to be appreciated. <laughs> that's me. That's me. And that's uh, apparently that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and in this role, it's, it's just, you know, you're kind of, you can be, it can be very isolating. It's like, you just don't have, you're giving the attaboys. You're not necessarily getting them. You know, I had a staff um, at, at and when I was, in my last role, I was assistant principal at an elementary school and I had a staff of 50 students and a student body of over 350. And there was somebody there who thanked me every single day. Wow, And, you know, you're a hero with kids, yeah. you know, when you when you teach or when, you know, when you're uh, working and working with children, especially uh, they have a have a way of just making you feel valued and appreciated. Yeah. And that's and that's not how it was when I transitioned into the role of operator. And so that was that piece was hard for me. I remember I was probably a year into it. And um, I'm on a computer, and I'm showing some showing a 19 year old kid how to how to work, you know, how to read a particular report. And he pulls back, and he had worked for some someone else before, you know, at Chick fil A. And he he told me, he said, you know, J- Mr. Jason said you're a really good operator. Mm-hmm. And I just grinned from ear to ear because I remembered what this guy said to me that nobody's right. going to appreciate you, and nobody right. had said anything for a year, you know. <laughs> and this 19 year old kid is validating me, you yeah. know. And I'm yeah. like, wow! Yeah. I just and I, and it felt good, and oh, yeah. it made me it made me laugh, you know, yeah. almost at the whole situation and myself. And like, yeah, he's he's actually right, and and um, you know, that this guy that everything this guy said was correct, and and it really helped me help help me understand myself a whole lot better. Yeah. That's good moving yeah. forward. But um, also the the learning curve uh, of for the restaurant operations was straight up for me. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, you know, so, so there were times where that piece was actually pretty tough as well, because you're learning, I was learning something that I had really never done before outside of my own kitchen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think that, I I think, I think that that actually, though, when I compare it was a whole lot easier because those are, those are what we, you know, what I, what I call, um, mastery level skills. There's, there yeah. comes a time and a place where you can put those things in a box mm-hmm. and I could put those things in the box. Um, but I could not, um, necessarily get, you know, there, there were other struggles that I had. I couldn't necessarily change my situation. You know, I was in a, in a particular location that was very hard and it actually showed transaction count decreases from 2014. I walked in and, uh, basically in December of 2015. And, and looking back, I, you know, I get to 2017, 2018, and there is a, a steady decline of transactions over um, the course of like four or five years, four years at that point. And so I was pretty, I was, I was actually in a really bad place and I become extremely anxious and depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I rem- so, you know, it's, it's funny how in those moments, God brings up things you said, yeah. you know, yeah, and, and it came to mind. I was just in a really bad place because of just a lack feeling, a lack of success at mm-hmm. what I was. Doing. And um, I was I was ready to to really to throw ready to throw in the towel Yeah, because I did not see the results of like what of my hard work or at least the results that I felt other people wanted to see. Sure. Okay. I could point to, to small stories. I could point to relationships, but really the things that are valued in business, you know, top line results, bottom line results. Um, you know, you can look at people results, those types of things. I have, Com, you know compared to speaking too uh, you know i didn't have what, what others were doing and so uh, you know i i was ready just to i had actually applied went back i i went back to the board of education and applied for a job man and uh, i didn't tell my i just told my employ- some of my guys who been with me for like 6 or 7 years i just yeah. told them the story like a couple years ago yeah um and so it was it was I was in a tough place and um, I, you know, I was, I was isolating myself. I was pulling back. Um, I was not, I I would, I had also been prior to to coming on to chick fil A. had been on staff at a church as a worship leader. I had stepped down, moved away from that community. And um, I just, I I was just in a, um, in a place where I felt like I was, too busy to connect with other people too busy mm-hmm. to slow down and really process this. Uh, I had to work myself out of this, out of this tough place that I was in. Yeah. And when I remember, um, you know, going through this process of, uh, of thinking, I, I really need to just, I need to go back. It was yeah. better where I, you know, yeah. where I was.
0: Yeah.
2: And, um, I remember having a conversation where I, where I came out of an interview and I felt really good about the interview yeah. at the board of education. And I really felt like, I think this is going to open up for me yeah. um, that this is, you know, that I'm, I felt pretty, really, really confident, Aaron. That's all I can say. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine who I actually, she was a colleague of mine who used to be the principal at this, you know, at one of the schools. And she said uh, where I worked, and when I was, she asked me, like, how do you feel about this? I said, I, I don't know. Hmm. Because, because I, I knew that God had called me to something else. Yeah. But I also knew that it, it felt unbearable. Hmm. Okay. That I yeah. could, and, and that if I were to go through with this, there was way more uncertainty. There was just continued uncertainty. Yeah, You know, and um, she said, she looked at me and she said, you can't take this job. Hmm. (laughs) i I knew she was right right away but i was kind of disappointed and and i said i know you're right yeah you're right and i ended up calling and and pulling my name out of the hat and i think a lot of people actually thought i was absolutely nuts (laughs) (laughs) some of my parents they wanted the uncertainty to end for me for my kids the financial roller coaster we were on um you know and i think that uh I think she she said some words to me, and she said, Jason, from the time you left, you've been looking in the rearview mirror. Mm. She mm. said, you have not – you've not ripped that off. You need to rip that rearview mirror off, yeah. and you need to look forward. Your future wow. is not here. Wow. It's not here. And so, you know, I, I owe her a lot of, a lot of gratitude. You know, the apostle yeah. Paul says, I forget what lies behind and I press on, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's this, I, you know, that a whole idea that look, you know, whether good or bad, you know, we've got to, we've got to put, when God calls us to something, we've yeah. got to put that behind. That was, that was a great part of life. Yeah, And I should have seen it like that and enjoyed it, you know, but that was in preparation for something else. And as long as I w- was looking back, I just, you know, I could not leave that behind. And so um, it, it was, it really had a hold on me. Yeah. And so what I began to do from that point on, Aaron, is I really began to, I, well, I connected back to community. I found a church, uh, a body of believers that I, that it was a very small group of people where I was just, I felt like I was uh, just hearing life again. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, um, and I tell you, you know, in, in a, in just a short amount of time, by not looking back, I could see clearly and embrace, you know, just really embrace reality of where we were and, and develop a call cult, and cultivate like a like a heart of gratitude for mm-hmm. what God had given me, for what he had been doing in me, had entrusted me to. Uh, you know, I had not been grateful for these people who stood by me. Yeah. In thick and thin, you know, who were, you know, um, obviously my wife was was there and and through all of that and was so supportive of me, never stopped believing in me. I had a friend who was an operator coach who who read my mail one time, you know, right during the middle of all this interview stuff, and I was on the side of the highway (laughs) crying like you're you're because you think you're terrible at this It's like you are not terrible you you are you are working through a challenging situation you know i called my brother who was my brother eric he had owned multiple businesses um during this during that same time and i'm like i need to figure out if i'm going to stay i need to figure out how to do this business right and I, i'm like i'm overwhelmed i don't know what to do where do i start and, and you know and he like i said i look for like business advice and he's like and and this is a guy who's you know who has been all business and he yeah. said to me, he's like, you need to pray. I'm like, what <laughs> kind of strategy is that? And so I, I honestly, at the time I was a little, I was, I was a little frustrated, like I want something more, but there is nothing better. Mm. There is nothing more. And I found that out in a, in a very difficult time, Aaron. I, um, you know, uh, I became, he told me, he's like, you need to be grateful. He told me as well, you need to, see this situation as a blessing to you. Wow. God knows how it's going to be a blessing to you. Yeah. But you need, but it is a blessing right now. And mm-hmm. you need to, you need to call it as such. He sent me a little mm-hmm. devotional about that. And so I'm like, do you, you know, so there were some strategic people in, yeah. in that. Um, and you know, that I became, I just connected to, and I built some community around that whether it was by phone calls or meeting with them and, um, and you know, and they and they helped me quit the comparison game. Yeah, I think that that was another struggle for me as well when I got together with other. Here, here's an example: we went on a trip with Chick Fil A operators, and they were, you know, they said to me, they went around and they introduced themselves by name and by sales volume. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and see, when you're at, when you're at a nine million dollar freestander, you say nine million dollars. <laughs> when you when you're at a you know 12 million you say 12 million when you're in a mall like i was you say 1.625 you know <laughs> you give like you give like four digits you know <laughs> so yeah that was you know that was really i tell you what man you know I, i'm grateful and i'm go, i'm grateful for those people who who did not let me slip back yeah who did not let me turn over my shoulder, look back and go back backwards because I, you know, I sit here set seven years, six years, well, probably three or four years later from that point, Yeah. but seven years into this. And I'm telling you, man, the you know, I am the blessing of, of just, of seeing how, how God has used, you know, um, those difficult times yeah. to prepare me for, for a whole other season of my life that I didn't know what was coming. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that time now.
0: Yeah.
2: That's awesome. That is awesome. You, uh,
0: you mentioned that you grew up, um, your mom, obviously I know your mom, but you grew up in a cross-cultural family in a place that cross-cultural or multicultural wasn't necessarily celebrated. How has that helped you in life and leadership As you're leading now at Chick-fil-A and how does that help you connect with other people?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I tell you what, Aaron, you know, when I, when I was a, a Chick-fil-A operator in my previous location, there just, you know, I did not live in a community where there was a lot of diversity and, and, um, and, but, you know, in this new, in this new opportunity, um, and even in my old, you know, the, in my new opportunity, there's, there's just a, I work with a very diverse population of people, yeah. a lot of Hispanics in particular, but, um, you know, Growing up in a multicultural family in rural Western Maryland, I talk about the good side way more than I do about the challenging side. Yeah, and I um, the the good side of it was you know that people really did appreciate uh, you know my mom's hospitality. They there were folks who loved the fact that she could speak a different language. Yeah, but there was a whole there was a whole other like side. Another side to that that was a that that could be very um challenging and hurtful at times, and I think that um you know I do understand what it feels uh to to feel like an outsider mm-hmm. um like someone who you know who didn't always fit in in situations and now for the you know again, I don't want to overstate this yeah but there were moments that I can remember that were extremely, extremely hurtful things, Um, specifically for my brother, who felt Mm. my, you know, my older brother really felt like an outsider. Mm. And um, I remember him after church one time, the youth group, there were just a group of guys there who, um, you know, they just, they tormented him, and it all had to do with his Hispanic heritage. Mm. And um, I remember him, just quitting youth group and begging my mom not to make him go back to church again. And, and it hurt me for him. It also, it, it upset me. Cause I wanted him, you know, with my mother, I, I take a, took on a lot of the feelings of my mom. Like she wanted to make church like a safe place for him. Sure. And it was primarily, but there was a group of guys who, you know, they were just, I don't look at it as like, necess- it is a, they were prejudiced statements, but kids, can be, are going to look for any difference, you know, to, to, um, accentuate just to kind of put you, put people in their place or whatever, or, or to make fun of someone. And, and I hated that for him, you know, and, and, and I, and I still hate that for others. And that the, the, the inverse of that has become a core value for me. Mm -hmm. And it's driven a core value of mine that we treat people like family, wherever, whatever organization I'm a part of, I want people to feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. They, and and so we have to go to great lengths. If we have to go to great lengths to make somebody feel like they belong, we have to go to great lengths to make somebody (laughs) feel like they belong. That's just what it is. And so, you know, I, I value that, um, I, I value that maybe more than than anything. And what's happened in my organization is um, is there has just been a uh, you know a desire you know a desire to have one one family unit in our business. And it is it has happened. You know we have we you know we have a, we have language barriers um, that in our business that. People are, are, are trying to address, to try to bridge that gap. I have a former teacher who works for me, who's volunteered her time to teach an English as a second language course. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a room full in our offsite office of about nine or 10 folks who gather every Wednesday afternoon to learn English. And, um, and it's and it stems out of this heart to make yeah. sure these folks feel like they belong, yeah. and um and it's not just for them; it's for anyone. It does not matter your your you know your background. We just had a Christmas party, and I probably have about 125 employees Aaron. and and we had 119 or 120 folks show up wow. um, to celebrate together. And and you know we were doing these little awards. It, it was <laughs> it was a little golden cow. Someone reminded me like <laughs> uh, you yeah. know. That's like not a good. <laughs> maybe this is not the, the thing you wanted to pick to a, a reward people, but it's a you know, hey, best you know, best order taker, best right. sandwich maker, that kind of right. thing. Just little things, and to watch people, vote, they didn't vote for who the actual best was because those yeah. people typically had a lot of confidence. They were our leaders. They voted for the people who might be on the fringe and they cheered and clapped and shouted their names, uh, you know, chanting their names uh, like they just won, you know, the World Series through that last pitch in the World Series. And, you know, when when we as a leadership team were reflecting about that, it really moved a lot of us to see that type of camaraderie, that type of spirit to say, like, we want to make sure sure that, that people feel appreciated and valued. So, out of that hard thing, yeah, you know, um, growing up, you know, came came something has is coming something very beautiful,
0: yeah. And it's amazing to see God's plan, right? And so your your mom, you're right. Her hospitality, her love for people—that's what I re- and the joy that was in her heart and spirit. That's that's what I remember about your mom and. Um, and so I think that that translated today. And then the the how God's using that. And I think that's the unique part of all of our stories. There there We have the parents we had. We have the situations for a reason. And it's just yeah. exciting to see how you're using that. Um, yeah. And so how are you communicating that heart, Jason, for – you said we're going to treat everybody like family. You talked about your leadership team. How do you communicate that with the people in your team? Because there has to be some challenges, right? It's easier – it would be easier to work with the team that everybody – thought like you spoke like you um acted like you and but to have a multicultural team how, how have you navigated that
2: yeah you know that 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 hasn't been um that wasn't easy early on but i think for us um one of the things that we have done is we have we have been i've been very very careful about who i let in. Leadership, number one. Okay, yeah. that I know that everything rises and falls on leadership. And so when I selected my leaders, I selected um, folks. When I interviewed them, that I knew were they. We, I talk about three S's in leadership: servants, shepherds, and stewards. Mm-hmm. And I look for that shepherding heart—someone who really wants to come along, someone and yeah. guide them. To a place where their lives are better. And um, because it, everything's going to flow from them. Uh, I, I'm one person in an organization of about 145 people right now. Yeah. And so my voice is important, but my voice doesn't always get heard on the front lines. <laughs> right. And so I, you can use that. And I, I use that to speak. Um, you know, whenever and and to model that when I walk through the restaurant, you know, the, um, how do we we talk about honor? You know, treating people with dignity, honor, and respect. You know, yeah. um, but one of the things that we've done is we've been real explicit a, about teaching. Um, you know, teaching what what we what we call the heart model and the serve model. And we do that in both English and in Spanish. And we encourage anyone who wants to uh, think about being a leader. And most people do, I think, yeah. especially in the younger generation. I think we, I think I heard Tim Elmore say something like 70% of people, 75% want to be a leader. Yeah. And I think it's a great thing. And so we asked them to take a um, training called the heart of leadership based on Mark Miller's book. And the serve, um, the serve model class is also based on another book by him. Um, that, that one's called, I think the secret. And we talk to them about what we expect from leaders. And we talk to them uh, about, um, you know, what a, what a leader, what a leader looks like and how a leader behaves. Um, and we ask them, we tell them, well, you don't do this stuff. Once we name you a leader, if you want to be a leader, you have to have yeah. these these traits within you. yeah, and so, you know part of that, Aaron is is definitely we we you know we communicate that on boards. We communicate that in um we have a slack we use slack as as a messaging system. We communicate that in messages. We communicate that in stories. We mm-hmm. tell the stories of um. Of how people, you know, how our people care for others, hmm. um, whether that's internally. We just had a we had a, a team member who she has a brain tumor that's um, non malignant, but it'll eventually take her. It's it's growing tentacles and it'll eventually take her her vision, and um, she was really struggling. Uh, we found out because she's buried in medical bills, hmm. and these young folks, um, you know, raised over eight thousand dollars to yeah. To take care of her, and um, we told that we told that story internally. You know, the community doesn't know that, right. but we celebrate what they've done. You know how they. You know how the power of community can help and support people, but we also tell the stories. Uh, you know, there were, I told the other day. I had a I had a gentleman come in, and he told me. He said, "You know, I gotta t- I gotta tell you." He said, "My wife and I have both been going through through a lot the last couple of years. My wife." currently is under, you know, has been undergoing some cancer treatment. We always come here, uh, once a week together, but she's lost a lot of weight. She's very weak. And he said, you know, I, she, he said, this is so embarrassing and humiliating for her. He's like, you know, but I definitely need to tell you this story. He said, she, she was, um, she's 70 plus years old, you know, in her mid seventies. And he said, she, she could not, she did not have the strength to get up out of the bathroom Hmm. and, um, he said, I went to one of your managers and um, and she and he and explained to him the situation. He said, and, you know, he treated it, the whole situation with such discretion and dignity yeah. and um, sent a young lady in there to help her. Yeah. And, you know, those stories. Now, I, I don't tell that story to the entire team, sure. you know, but I use that story in the leadership team to say, guys, when people are. You know, when people trust us with the toughest, most challenging moments of yeah. their lives, yeah, that, that are embarrassing,
1: yeah.
2: it is our honor. Yeah. And 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 this is what it means to love people like family. Yeah. And so, you know, we recognize Kate for doing that. And um, and so those telling those stories, making sure that we take time to tell them, that is really what helps reinforce. Our um, you know, this culture of caring that we're trying to create. yeah, so it is intentional in terms of systems. you know, like I said, we teach the serve model, we teach the heart model. Um, you know, within that context, we share the the statue, you know, a little statue of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We talk about that. Um, but we ta- we tell our our personal stories yeah. as well, and and we build, you know we're trying to we like build a vault of yeah. stories to tell yeah. over and over again.
0: Yeah. Is that just who you are, Jason, this, this, this idea of celebrating people and celebrating what is that just something that comes natural for you or is that something you have to, you look for? Or is that you're a charismatic person? I mean, and, and people love to be around you. And so, but that celebrating
2: others. Yeah. Is that, is that something come natural to you? I think that it is something that, that definitely has been, um, I, I don't know if it, it is, it feels natural right now. You know, I think when I, like, I go back to work when I was working with six year olds as a first grade teacher, I did that for seven years. You know, I think that it comes out of my genuine, uh, like awe of life and just, I'm just amazed pretty, you know, I'm impressed when I, when I see, when I see people do things that, that, um, that might be simple to others, you know, whether it's figure out, uh, figure out a math problem. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, that, did you hear what he did or someone decode a word? I would get so excited over that because it just amazed me how, you know, I'm watching kids, you know, build, um, you know, neurological pathways and and brain maps. And, you know, I'm just, I'm blown away at, you know, at some simple things. And so, and maybe they're not simple. They're not simple. There's actually complexity behind yeah. these simple things. You know, I listen to the radio and I'm like, man, isn't this wild that this is oh. all radio, you know, that that that, the, that this is built into the world. We're just yeah. discovering things.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: that's yeah. all we're doing. That's we're right. just We're just pulling the lid back and seeing what God's already done. Yeah. And so I think that it really does come from a sense of. Of awe of of God's creation and how he's made us and and what he's made us to do and um and so i you know I think that that's that's probably where it comes from but yeah, you know that i've that I've cultivated that that uh, like a heart of curiosity and a a heart of of just stating in awe of like how God's made this world to work and how you know
0: Good word, good word, and it's it, You know, I think it's just your story that you you went, you talked about looking in the rearview mirror. You wanted that heart of appreciation, and now you're in a place now where you can appreciate and celebrate others, and you're focusing on that on others. And it's just, it's amazing, amazing to see. So, hey, our times went, our times went by pretty quick. So I got one last question for you. Um, so you you talked about leading a business. There's also metrics involved, right? And so you you and your decision making based on those metrics, and then you have people that you love and care for in your family. How have you navigated the realities of running a business, um, and top line and bottom line, and all those things, and st- at the same time loving and caring for people and, lo- and making this family type feel?
2: Yeah, you know that's a, that is a great question, Aaron, because it's a some it's a it can feel like a hard line to walk. But what I try to tell people is that. You know, in the serve model, we say the V is we value results and relationships. So I think hmm. putting things on the table uh, for me, like putting them out there first, guys. We operate a business, and and just trying to explain to them that if we don't, we don't have all of these. We don't have a family unit here. If we don't have a healthy business here first, sure. that's good. And so I think is I think teaching that and helping people understand like why we go about. Results, especially in a world where it's like, uh, you know, we love the feel-good stories, we love that emotional touch, but you know, the reality of it is, is that um, we are also we're not just shepherds, but we are stewards, mm-hmm. and 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 so we can't say we're one and not the other because God has called us to be stewards of all that He's entrusted to us as well, and so I think saying that and helping them, you know, has has been tremendous um, and going a long way and helping them understand that this isn't personal. We are going to have conversations because you've created these goals and, and we are going to be accountable to the results of those goals, um, those goals. And so I think just laying it out there has made that so much easier. And we've just developed a, 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 um, a culture within our leaders, as you know, of accountability that it's so okay, it is good to be accountable and that and we make pro we actually make more progress when there's accountability. It actually is caring to hold one another accountable. Um and so, you know, especially as we are meeting a shared goal, we're going towards something that we've decided we're going to go towards together. Uh, you know, we went off site this past fall and we set up a, um, you know, we we set our goals together. I didn't tell them what they were going to do. They said that this is what we, this is what we believe we, you know, we can do and we know that this is doable. We're going to go do it. And so they, you know, they set they set the expectation and then we hold each other accountable together.
0: That's good. That's good, good word. Jason, um, is there a question I should have asked you? Some maybe secret of Chick-fil-A chicken that um that you wanna de- you wanna <laughs> probably yeah, not. I, probably not wanna probably not want to yeah, share. You but should, you should you should a- actually ask me what book yeah. right now. Okay, what book are you reading right now?
2: Yeah, you know, I always think that that's a great cool question to ask people. I'm actually really we're doing this as a leadership team, shameless plug here for you. We are reading a caring life, how <laughs> each of us can change the trajectory of an uncaring world. Wow, doing, I
0: didn't I didn't know I was going to get a plug. So, uh, but I appreciate it. The plug.
2: There you go. <laughs> but yes, that's that's the question. You know, we are I would tell you if if you have folks out there, you know, who are leading teams, uh, just choosing something even if, you know, it does not have to be, don't sit around and wait for the perfect thing, learn and grow together. And you'll watch your relationships grow together every once a week, every leader takes a different chapter, leads us through the, you know, through a, a brief summary and then a conversation on it. And, and it has been, it has been um, an incredible growth opportunity for us yeah. just to, to talk about what it means to care for other people. That's awesome, Jason. It's uh, been an honor to
0: spend some time with you today. You in Arizona, me in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, will you pray for us? We pray for the audience that God will use 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 what you've shared. And, um, maybe I can put in the show notes, the serve, you talked about the serve model, maybe about what all those mean. Um, and it was a serve yep. model and hot mo- maybe I can put that in the show notes. Cause I'm sure I'm going to get questions. People are going to ask me why I didn't ask you that question, but, um, we'll put it in the show notes for them. How about that?
2: Absolutely. Let's pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus to save us and, and, and to be the way for us. And I pray for those listening to this podcast today, and I, I lift those up who may be looking for encouragement. I pray that they would be renewed and they're calling to serve you. I pray for those that um, who like me maybe may have been maybe looking in the rearview mirror. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them a vision greater than their past, that their call to serve would be renewed, and that they would find deep satisfaction that you delight in them that you see them and you know them you know their every move i pray lord that they would sense the comfort of your spirit i pray for those who are isolated whether by circumstances outside of their their control or maybe some self-imposed isolation like i had created for myself i pray lord that you would you would reach them i pray for their the, that you would console them, you would be near to them. And I would pray that you would send others to them, that they would see those you are sending to them to unite with them. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bring light into their situation. I pray, Lord, for those who are, are leading, Lord, that you would continue to inspire us as shepherds, as servants, as stewards, Lord, to be who you've called us to be, in a world that so desperately needs us to hear your voice and to feed your sheep. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are and what you're going to do in our lives. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen.